Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for uh, the comforts afforded to us as we uh, gather here tonight. We thank you, Lord, for your word and how it can speak to our hearts tonight if we will let it do so. I pray that this evening, Holy Spirit, you would meet with us and that you would reveal to us anything in our life that may be wrong, anything in our life that may be uh, going astray. God, that you would help us uh, to see it, to admit it, and to make the effort to correct it. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we looked in verses 16 and 17, and you know that those are familiar portions of Scripture. Uh, If you've been in church very long, there the Apostle Paul reminded the believers of Corinth that they were the temple of God, which meant that they were the dwelling place for the Holy Spirit of God. And that is an amazing thing to think about, that because of our salvation, the Spirit of God now dwells within us. He also said that it is possible for a person to defile the temple of God. And when a person does that, they are inviting the judgment of God on their life. And so it is necessary for us to live a holy life because God is holy and we need to live a life that is uh, consecrated and uh, just holy and, and pure and free from blemish for him. And I tried to show us last week and I tried to explain to us that so many times this verse is take, or these two verses are taken completely out of context. It is at this point in the scripture that preachers like to, to preach about all the visible sins that people can see. They want to talk about this, 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 and so many other things. And yet I tried to show us last week that as Paul brought attention to this, the only sin really that he had brought to their attention to this point was their division and their envying and their strife amongst one another which was really an issue of the heart. It was an issue of selfishness, it was an issue of pride, and it was an issue of of other internal problems. And so what I was trying to show us last week is this, is that if we defile the temple of the Lord, not just in the outward actions, but in the internal affairs of the heart as well, we are inviting the judgment of God in our lives. And I know our tendency as men and women, we want to work on the things that people can see. We want to work on the exterior. We want to work on the outside things. We want to look pretty to everyone on the outside, and we don't like to give as much attention to the inside, but we have got to remember that the inside is every bit as important as the outside. If the outside is beautiful but the inside is ugly, it is still marring and defiling the temple of God, and we are asking again for God's judgment in our lives. So we've got to give attention to it. It's just that simple. Now, this evening, I want to ask you something. I know, I know this to be true of me, and I know it to be true of Susie. So I'm just going to throw us under the bus, so to speak, But I bet it's been true of you at some point in your life. Maybe not, but I would bet it has been. That being this, that you have done something for so long that you don't even really realize you're doing it anymore. You ever found yourself doing that? You know, you you just, you've done it this way for so long, you... You've been doing it for so long, you don't even realize what it is you're doing. And, and sometimes it's okay, and sometimes it's not okay. Now, I want us to think about that, that principle of doing something maybe so long that you don't even realize you're doing it. Maybe so many other people are doing the exact same thing. You don't even realize you've kind of fallen in line with them, and you're doing the same thing that they are. 
But I want us to think about this principle in light of another thought process because of where the message is headed tonight. I want to ask you something. Over the course of time, over the course of the last, say, 50 years, do you think a doctor has ever looked at a patient and said this? If you do not change this behavior, you are headed for some problems with your health. You think a doctor's ever said that? Of course he has, or she has. Some of us have heard those words from our doctors, have we not? That if you do not change this behavior, it is going to have major consequence in your life at some point. And it may be something that we've done so long that we don't even think about it anymore. It's just, it's been a part of our life for X number of years, whatever it may be, and we don't even think about it. But the doctor says, if you do not change these things, there is going to be a consequence somewhere down the road. I want to ask you this, do you think an, employee, an employer has ever looked at an employee and said something to this effect? Uh, if you don't change some things, you'll be looking for some new employment. I know that's happened at least once, because I had a boss tell me that one time. Kyle, if you don't change what you're doing, your services will no longer be necessary here, and, and you can find something else to supplement your income. And it was something that I had gotten used to. It was something that I was getting away with, and so it had happened so long, I didn't think anything of it anymore until I was finally called on the carpet, and then the boss said, you do it anymore, and I find out about it, you're done. You understand how this works, right? It's true in the world of athletics. A coach says to an athlete... If you keep that up, I'm kicking you off the team. What am I doing, coach? We've dealt with this. We've addressed this. We've talked about this. And, and, and I'm not going to talk to you about this anymore. If you do not change what you're doing, you're off the team. There will be a consequence for this. You understand we could be here for a long time tonight, don't you, showing you the different areas in which this applies. But, but we know it to be true, really, virtually in every area of our lives, that we can get so used to doing certain things that we don't even realize we're doing those things anymore. And then someone could bring it to our attention and say something like this, if you don't change, if you don't change, there are going to be consequences to what you are doing. Now, as we think about that, notice tonight in verse number 21. Verse number 21 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, here's what Paul says. Therefore, let no man glory in men. Therefore, let no man glory in men. What does it mean for someone to glory? It means this, to boast. Okay, and so here's what Paul says to the believers of Corinth. Let no man glory or boast in other men. What is Paul doing? Paul is taking them back to the same issue he has addressed now repeatedly, and he is still dealing with their division and their envying and their strife, because here's what we have in the church. We have people who are who are promoting the ministry and following the ministry of the Apostle Paul, some of Apollos and some of others. And what Paul just clearly says is this, do not glory or do not boast in other men. You'll remember, Paul said a few verses ago, listen, at best, we're all just servants of God. 
Okay, so here's the Apostle Paul. He says, let no man glory in men. He says in the last part of the verse, for all things are yours. What does that mean? Well, it means you are, in a sense, in possession of all things. So he says in verse number 22, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. Now, somebody says, Brother Kyle, what does that mean? Here's the simple answer to what that means in verse 22. I don't know. All right. Now, y'all don't seem to care whether or not I know, just from looking at your body language tonight. But I don't quite fully understand what that means, and I want to be honest with you about that. But I do understand verse number 23. Here's what he says. He said, and ye are Christ, and Christ is God's. All right, so if you were to look at this, here's what he says. He says, you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. And so there would be an order of authority, so to speak, here. But, but what he is saying to the believers of Corinth is this, that you belong to Christ. You don't belong to Paul. You don't belong to Apollos. You don't belong to Cephas. Who you belong to is Jesus Christ who belongs to God or who has placed himself under the authority of God. All right, and so that is very important for the believers to realize and for the believers to recognize that, that they do not belong to the ministry of any person. They belong to, as children of God, to God through Christ. Now, I want to throw this in real quick, okay? That, too, is who we belong to. I know it's warm, okay, but let's... All I want is a smile, okay? I don't, I, don't need, I don't need verbal acclamation tonight. I don't need or affirmation. But I do want us to know we're awake, okay? All right, so we're going to smile at least whenever I say something that's truth, okay? We belong to God through Christ. Okay, that, that's a good thing, okay? So we do not belong to the ministry of any person or any uh, individual, anything of that nature. Now... Here is the problem over and over and over being stated by the Apostle Paul to this point. Their following of man and the division that it is creating within the church. Now, go to verse number 18. He says in verse number 18, Let no man deceive himself. Let no man deceive himself. What does it mean for a man to deceive himself? It means this, to lie to himself or to lead himself astray. Now, that seems kind of hard to do in theory, does it not? To lie to myself? To lead myself astray? It may, in theory, seem difficult to do, but here's what we know. It happens all the time. People lead themselves astray. They deceive themselves all the time. I've done it. You've done, done it. There is not a person that, that we have ever come into contact with who has not done this very thing. They have deceived themselves. They have led themselves astray. Well, how does that happen? It happens in this manner. We tell ourselves something so long that we believe what we're telling ourselves. Whatever it is, I don't care what you want to insert in the blank, we tell ourselves this so long that we actually begin believing what it is we have told ourselves. And so here's what Paul says, let no man deceive himself. Now notice what he says. 
He said, if any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world. If any man among you seemeth to be wise. What does it mean for something to seem? It means this, to suppose or to think something to be true. So in verse 18 he says, Now if any among you think you are wise. Don't most of us think we are wise? That's how we get ourselves in trouble, because we are deceiving ourselves. Okay, we, we think we're doing good. We've told ourselves long enough we're doing okay. We've told ourselves long enough this is all right. This is not going to bother me. Again, whatever it is, just put it in the blank. Of course, there's a context for all this, and we'll look at it in a couple of moments. But, but he said, now, if there are any among you that think you are wise in this world, let him become a fool. What does that mean? Well, it means you need to become stupid. For what purpose? That he may be wise. You understand the thought process here? Okay. Don't deceive yourself. Don't lie to yourself. Don't lead yourself astray, okay? Don't do that. If any of you think you are wise, here's what you need to do. You need to become stupid or foolish so that you can actually become wise. What does this mean? What is the thought process that the Apostle Paul is trying to convey? Well, he's trying to convey this, and we'll see it again in a couple of moments. But Paul is trying to convey that there is worldly wisdom and there is godly wisdom. There is the wisdom of this world, there is the thinking of this world, there is the approach to life of this world, and in the eyes of the world, all this is normal and all this makes sense. And this is what smart people do. This is what wise people do. This is what intelligent people do. This is what the learned do. Okay, over here you've got the world, and they think they're so, so wise. And then you've got the Bible. And if we know anything about the Bible and the world, there are very seldom times in which they are in agreement. And when they are in agreement, it is usually on accident on the part of the world in relation to their position of the Bible. It's not that they intentionally did it, they just stumbled across it on accident. Okay, now what Paul is saying is this, is you've got worldly wisdom and you've got biblical wisdom or you've got godly wisdom. So he says, do not deceive yourself. If you think you are wise, here's what you need to do. In the eyes of the world, you need to become a fool. Well, how do you become a fool in the eyes of the world? We'll just start doing what the Bible says. When you start living according to the truth of the Word of God, you know what the Bible's going to tell you? You're nuts. When you begin applying the truth of God's Word in this area, this area, this area, this area, whatever you want to put there, and we'll try to talk more specifically in a few minutes, but whenever you begin to implement the truth of God's Word in your life, the world is going to say, well, you've lost your marbles. You're nuts. You're nuts. 
you're crazy, that'll never work. But actually what happens is this. As you become foolish in the eyes of the world, you actually truly become wise. So if you think you are wise, which so many people think they are, what you need to do is divorce yourself from the world's way of thinking. Get involved and, and engrossed in the wisdom of God and the Scripture. And that's where you'll find true wisdom. Now think about this in light of the context. Therefore, let no man glory in men. We've got division, we've got strife, we've got envying among the church family. Again, it goes back to Paul, Apollos, and, and Cephas, and, and others and who had been spiritual leaders in their lives. Now, now, why was this happening? Well, it was happening for a couple of reasons. Well, actually, just one reason, but we'll just develop it, okay? It was happening because they were carnal. You remember that? Paul said, ye are carnal. You are worldly. Now, now think about this. Because of their carnality, they had said to themselves, it makes perfect sense to pick a side and fight for it. I'm of Paul. I am of Apollos. That made perfect sense. Because they were carnal. They had worldly wisdom. And someone else said, well, I am of Cephas, and someone else said, I am of Christ. And so as you've got people fighting over the different parties and over the different spiritual leaders, here's what it did. It made perfect sense in their mind because what they had was worldly wisdom. They did not have biblical wisdom. Now here's what has happened in the Corinthian church. This has been going on for a while now. And they're not even really mindful of how unbiblical their thought process is. It's been happening so long, and every person of interest has their own followers and their own supporters. And so you know what is happening? Not only have they been doing this for so long, they've got people with them in their circle encouraging them to do such. Uh, it's right. Uh, we're, we're followers of Paul. Yeah, yeah, we're followers of Paul. Can you believe that he said that we ought to be following Cephas? Can you believe that? That's ridiculous. Yeah, and then over here the people of Apollos are saying, good grief, I can't believe that. Uh, everybody knows Apollos is superior to, to, to Paul or to, to whomever the other influences may have been. It's been going on for so long and they have enough people joining their ranks that they're not even seeing the problem with this. Thus Paul says, you're carnal. Come on, guys, we're nothing more than servants. I plant one waters, but God gives the increase. Church family, you don't belong to me. You belong to God. Stop boasting about the spiritual leaders in your life. You serve the Lord. You need to stop deceiving yourselves. You need to stop leading yourself astray. You need to get honest and you need to get real with this. You need to become foolish, though you think you're wise. And as you become foolish, you will actually become biblically wise and intelligent and discerning. 
Well, how do we know that Paul really feels this way? Well, notice what he said in verse number 19. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. I wonder what God thinks of this world's wisdom. He says this, that's stupid. It's foolish. Understand, please, God has never been impressed with the wisdom of the world. He has never looked down on earth and said, you know, I think they're figuring this out. Maybe they don't need me like I thought they did. God has never once had that thought cross his mind. You know why? Because God knows better than any of us could know just how foolish the wisdom of this world is. All right, and so in verse number 19, Paul just spells it out for him that the foolishness of this, or that the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Notice in verse number 20, he says, And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise. Now, we would kind of put that in parentheses because he's kind of jabbing at the, the worldly wise person. He says that they are vain. What does it mean for something to be vain? It means for it to be empty or to be pointless or to be worthless. So here is the Lord, here is God, and as he looks at the wisdom of this world, he says, you know what that is? That is foolish. That is ridiculous. That is absurd. That, that, that is, it is vain. It is empty. It is pointless. There, there is no worth to it. There is no value to it. So if we follow this through to its conclusion, okay, here's what we've got. Believers in Corinth, what are you doing? You're fighting and you're dividing and you're striving over, over this issue of who the greatest spiritual leaders are, and that is proof of your carnality. And that is a heart issue that is defiling the temple of God because the Spirit of God dwells in you. Believers in Corinth, get your act together and stop boasting of men. You belong to God. You do not belong to me. You do not belong to them. You belong to Christ who belongs to God. You are the children of God. And so here's what you need to do, believers. Stop deceiving yourselves. Stop lying to yourselves and telling you that you're smart and you've got all this together. No, what you need to do is if you think you are wise, you need to become foolish so that you can actually be wise. And here's what you need to understand. God thinks the wisdom of this world is foolish and he thinks it is vain, it is empty, it is pointless. Now, how hard is that to understand? It's not real hard to understand if you're awake. God's not real impressed with the wisdom of the world. Not only that, he said in verse number 19, and here's what I want us to see. He said in verse number 19, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written... He, that being God, taketh the wise in their own craftiness. He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. Well, who are the wise a reference to? It's those who are wise in their own eyes according to the wisdom of the world. So what does it mean to take someone in their own craftiness? What does it mean when Paul says... He takes the wise in their own craftiness. Well, the idea would be something like this, to grasp or to get a hold of in the midst of their own craftiness, of their own subtlety, or in the midst of what we might say their own intelligence. And so what some have kind of paraphrased the statement to mean, and I, I think it's the correct paraphrase by way of thought, and that is this. Here's what God does. 
When a person lives according to the worldly wisdom long enough, God disciplines them and they become entrapped to the wisdom they have adopted for their lives. God grasps them and He takes the wise and He lets them be, so to speak, the victim of what they believe is their own wisdom or intelligence. Let me ask you, have you ever seen that happen to someone? I'm so wise, yeah, I've got this all together. Oh, yeah. Just ask me. Pretty soon you let it play out. Pretty soon you let it all unfold. And what do you find? You find, yeah, not so wise. Not so crafty, not so cunning, not so sharp, not so shrewd, not so impressive. Now, what was Paul reminding them of? He was reminding them of this. Believers... If you do not divorce yourself from the wisdom of this world and become foolish in their eyes so that you can truly become wise in the sight of God, here's what you need to understand. You will become the victim of your own wisdom or a victim of your own seemed or perceived intelligence. This is going to come back and bite you. So believers in Corinth, here's what you need to do. Get your attitude right about who you belong to. Stop thinking you're so wise because you have dreamed this up in your mind and other people are telling you that you are wise. Get that addressed in your mind. And get biblical wisdom so that you can have true wisdom because all other wisdom is foolish and empty and pointless. It's really not that difficult, is it? Now this evening, we sit here tonight and we say, yeah, yeah, okay, I mean, not that difficult. I can see what the Apostle Paul is trying to communicate. What does it have to do with us? Okay, let's think about it. First of all, here's what we know. Best I can tell, there is no division in this church based upon what spiritual leader you want to follow. I mean, I don't know that some of y'all even want to follow any of them, much less dividing over which one you want to follow. But, I mean, let, let's just cut the chase, okay? Uh, that's not our issue right here, right now. It's not. And I'm, I'm thankful, I guess. It's just never been an issue, so I don't even really think about it from this perspective. But the principle of the text doesn't change anything whatsoever. Well, what do you mean? Okay, well, here's what I mean. Uh, we can become wise in our own eyes. I said a moment ago, I've done it, and you've done it, and everyone that we've come into contact with has done it at least once. Now, here's what happens. We do it for so long that many times we don't even realize we have become wise in our own eyes. 
Does this make sense? So I don't know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, let's just consider Christianity, paint with a broad brush here and just a big old swipe, okay? What we would call Christianity in our culture today. If you pay attention, here is what you will find. That many quote-unquote Christian homes, their homes look just like the world's homes. The husband-wife relationship looks just like the husband-wife relationship of people outside the church. The relationship with the children and the interaction with the children and the behavior of the children, it looks just like the interaction and the behavior of children outside the home. But it's been going on for so long that if you told that Christian family that they had a worldly family, the Christian family would say, uh-uh, we've got a Christian family. Well, what makes you think it's a Christian family? Well, because we've identified it as a Christian family. Well, just because we identify something as a Christian family does not mean it's a Christian family. If you were to look at the priorities of those who call themselves Christians these days, here's what you would find. You would find that for so many so-called professing Christians, their priorities are not at all in order. Their priorities are completely out of whack, just like the people outside of the church. But if you said to the person inside the church, what are your priorities like? They would say, well, these are good priorities. Well, why do you think they're good priorities? Because we said they were. Okay, well, how did you come to that? That's what we kind of decided. Okay, when we've deceived ourselves, thinking that the priorities are in the position they're supposed to be. If you looked at the finances of people in the church, you would find that the finances of people in the church are as messed up as the finances of people outside the church. How did that happen? I don't know. Well, could it have anything to do with your worldly approach to life with your finances? Oh, no, 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 it couldn't be that. Oh, how do you know? Oh, because well, we, we do right in our finances according to who? See, we've got to remember there is this thing called worldly wisdom and there is this thing called biblical godly wisdom and the two seldom intersect one another. Now here is what happens, though from a different perspective than what the Corinthians were dealing with, here is what happens. People inside the church, they are living according to worldly wisdom, but they have deceived themselves into thinking that that is biblical wisdom. It's been happening so long, and there are so many other people who live just like them, who call themselves Christians. And surely, because I've told myself long enough that this is what is right, and this is what is good, and I've got so many other people joining my party, so to speak, then this must be the right way to go. Remember what Paul said. If any think or seem to be wise in this world, you know what you need to do? You need to become a fool. Why? So that you might actually be wise. Well, how come? Because with God, worldly wisdom is foolish and it is vain. It serves no purpose. It is empty and it is pointless. 
you understand what you and I need to do with our lives on a regular basis? We need to look at our lives and ask ourselves this question. Not does it line up with me and my thoughts, because obviously our actions will always line up with our thoughts. We do not need to look at our actions and our manner of life and say, okay, now how do they look in comparison to the thoughts and actions and behavior of others because we'll always be able to find someone to join our group. But what we need to ask ourselves is this, by way of thoughts and actions, how does this line up with the Word of God? Either the Word of God is the authority or it's not. Every once in a while, like the Corinthian believers needed to do as it related to this particular issue in their life, we need to look at certain areas of our life and say, okay, now what I'm doing, does it make sense to the world or does it make sense to God? Does my marriage make sense with the world? If so, that's, uh, that's not good. If the world looks at my marriage and says, yep, it's fairly normal, then, then I ought to run screaming saying, I need to change something fast. <laughs> Do my kids and our relation and interaction with the kids, does that look normal in the world? It does? Oh, man, that means I'm off. I'm not saying we're trying to raise weird kids, but what I'm saying is we're trying to raise weird kids. And we want a weird family. We do not, if we've got any wisdom at all, we do not want a family that makes sense to the world. We want the world to look at our family and say, that's weird, man. Praise God if the world looks at the family and says, that's weird. We, we don't, listen, we, we need to look at our priorities, we need to look at our finances, we need to look at relationships, we need to look at everything. And we need to say, does this line up with the world's way of thinking? Because if it does, I need to get foolish. And I need to get foolish fast. So that I might actually be wise. But here's the problem. Most professing believers don't want to look at their lives in light of the Scripture. Because we already know what that'll do. It'll make us look foolish in the eyes of the world. More times than not, it's going to put us running the opposite direction of them. More times than not, that's going to make us be the odd man out. More times than not, that's going to make us stick out like the sore thumb. I mean, most people sitting in churches, they don't even want to consider the Word of God and how their life lines up with it because so many people know this will radically change my life if we do that. But can I remind us of this? He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. 
You know, it's kind of like the doctor who says, listen, I don't care if you've been doing this all your life. You've got to change this or there will be some consequences. The employer is saying to the employee, I don't care how long you've been doing this. You're either going to change or there's some consequence. The coach that says, I'm not going to have another discussion with you again about this. You either change it or you're off the team. Do we understand this principle here? It doesn't matter how long we've been doing this. It doesn't matter how long we've been living in this way. At some point, we will become the victim of our own worldly wisdom. Because worldly wisdom will not get us to where we want to go. It just won't. If we choose to live according to worldly wisdom and we never take time to say, okay, now hold on, the direction I've taken, the choices I'm making, whatever you want to call it, if we don't ever take the time to say, now hold on, how does that line up with the Scripture? What does the Word of God have to say about this? If we're not willing to ever put forth an honest effort to evaluate where our lives are in relation to the Word of God because we are His, then you know what's going to happen? At some point, it is going to come back and bite us. And there are so many times that Christians say things like this, I don't know how that happened. How did this happen? What happened? It's actually very simple what happened. You deceived yourself. You lied to yourself so long that you actually began believing it, whatever it is, whatever area you want to talk about, and you, you convinced yourself, hey, this is the way to go, when in fact it is foolishness. The only way that we can avoid the consequence of those things maybe that we've been doing for a long time is to stop being wise with the wisdom of this world and to start being foolish in the eyes of the world so that we may be wise in the eyes of God. Now this evening, all I'm trying to get us to do is to, to just do some inventory. And I know I've used that terminology before, but I want us to think about our lives, our families, our finances, our priorities, our spiritual lives, the decisions we're making, whatever you want to think about, whatever the Holy Spirit might say you need to think about. I want us to think about those things and ask yourself, okay, in, in, in the grand scheme of things, is this in agreement with the Word or with the world? Because it needs to be in agreement with the Word if we want to avoid being the victim of our own wisdom and our own discernment. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, we come to you this evening. God, I pray that you'd help each of us to have a willingness to look at our own personal lives and just see where we're at. Lord, there may be some worldliness in our church. There may be some carnality in our church tonight. God, it is so easy to deceive ourselves. It is so easy to lie to ourselves. It is so easy to sit here this evening and to leave tonight 
thinking everything's in order, everything's fine, and it may not be. So God, where things are not right, where things are not what they should be, I pray that you'd help us to be honest, to begin addressing those things so that we can avoid the consequence of it in the future. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. As Susie